It's Friday, July 25th, and this is Where the Money Is. I'm Jason Moser, joined in the studio today by Mr. Brendan Matthews. Brendan, how's it going? Great, Jason. Good, good. Thanks for being here. Uh, So, hey, we're wrapping up kind of a big week here, right? Earnings season is in full tilt. And, uh, you know, wow, a couple of big tech names out there that reported this week. We had Apple. We had Facebook. You know, we've seen sort of this interesting shift, I think, with Apple where it used to be such an event where Apple earnings came out. Uh, it seemed like the world almost stopped, you know. And, and, and I think, to a degree, maybe it still does. I mean, you still see some live blogging of the event and stuff like that. But it's not the same uh, as it once was. I think part of that probably is just because that growth is 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 not what it used to be, right? I mean, Apple's really a device company, a hardware company first and foremost. Uh, and, and we're not seeing anything new yet, right? I mean, we're seeing more iPhones, more iPads, and it's not like they're doing a poor job with that. I mean, you look at iPhones, they sold 35.2 million iPhones for the quarter, sold 13.3 million iPads for the quarter. Now, that interesting number right there, because iPad sales were down 9% from the same quarter last year. And I think that, you know, what we're seeing now is it's as an iPad owner, I mean, like, I, th- there's not the same refreshment cycle on these iPads that that maybe the phones can can tend to generate, and uh, and so I think you know the market's starting to kind of wonder, and I think reasonably so, what's next, right? I mean, we hear Tim Cook talking all all the time about this this pipeline of products, and you know, the, just all of these things that are coming coming uh, you know down the pipe here, but but we're still not seeing anything yet. I mean, wh- wh- what is next for Apple? What's the next device that they that they have? Well, there's a lot of talk about wearables. Yeah, um, I'm a little bit skeptical about wearables. I, I see it being a big market. I don't know that Apple's necessarily going to dominate it. The reason I like Apple is actually for current business. Yeah. Um, certainly, the smartphone market, which is Apple's biggest driver, has slowed down, but it's still a growing market. It's still a large market. Um, there's still plenty of room to sell lots of iPhones and iPads. Yeah, I I, I agree with you on the wearables uh, thing there. I mean, I'm not exactly sold on something like an iWatch uh, or, or a smartwatch because it seems like right now all those smartwatches that are out there, whatever you know, Samsung's device, those things just do. It's just like a phone on your wrist, right? It doesn't really seem to do anything additional. Uh, so for me, for for wearables, I think that's probably going to tap more into the fitness market. You know, maybe we'll see some more uh, partnering with with Nike. Uh, as you know, nice, I guess Nike kind of discontinued that fuel ban. I think they probably realized that if Apple was getting in that game, they really didn't stand a chance. Uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I think with Apple, I, I view it now as really just a great dividend stock. You know, and, and for me, one thing I'd love to see them do is really continue boosting that dividend because they obviously have the wherewithal, the capabilities to do it. I mean, they and, and buying back shares, right? Buying back shares, and we know that they're going to continue to do that. Uh, I, I think that you make this stock certainly a lot more attractive if you bump that dividend up, get that thing to three, four, five percent, and oh wow! I mean, now all of a sudden you, you're going to see. I think a lot of people really, uh, you know, hanging on to their Apple shares for a long time. Now, Facebook, on the other hand, you know, this was one man when it IPO'd, their pessimism was really high. I mean, that was a bungled IPO process. I think we'll, we'll all agree. Uh, but you know, with that said, Facebook has really turned. Uh, turned the the message around, right? What once was uh, really really pessimism now is turn, turning into uh, what looks like optimism. They've made this leap uh, into really a mobile company. And when you think about the number of users that they garner on a monthly basis, I mean they have 1.32 billion monthly active users, and more than one billion of those users 
accessed Facebook from a mo- from a mobile device last quarter. So that was up like 30 percent uh, versus the same quarter last year. And this was really the big question, right? Was is Facebook going to be able to make that leap to mobile? It looks like they have. Uh, do you or do you use Facebook? I do. You do now. Or, or would you consider yourself a mobile primary, primarily a mobile user, or is it something you find the desktop experience better, or what? I'm about fifty fifty. Fifty fifty. But I, I agree they they really have put out a good mobile offering, and it really is a great way to get content into Facebook. You're taking pictures. You're checking in. Um, it's something you can do in your spare time versus sitting on your computer. Yeah, and I mean, I, it's I don't. I mean, I use Facebook to an extent. I mean, I'm not really. Uh, I don't really post much. I mean, but yeah, I guess you check it out every once in a while. I'm really that's the deal, right? I mean, it's it's just are the eyeballs going there? And I think that you know more and more companies are seeing that that is valuable advertising space because so many eyeballs are going there. And what has basically become more or less a human behavior at this point, uh, you know, Facebook. Uh, so then the question really, like that, I, I think is on everyone's mind here when you look at these two companies together, Apple and Facebook. If you had to hang on to one of these stocks for the next 10 years, which one would it be? That is a very tough question. These are both dynamic companies with possibly great futures, but not necessarily assured futures. So that's a tough question, but I'm going to answer it. I'm going to say Apple. Okay. And the reason I favor Apple is because of its brand. It's the number one brand in the world. I don't think I would ever want to bet against that. And even at, even though I don't know what's coming next in terms of wearables or new devices, and I realize the challenge that Apple has to reinvent itself every couple of years, I just think that they have that huge advantage of that brand. People love it. It's the most valuable brand in the world. And and that's, I think, something that is sustainable. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, it's it's that, that brand does really go a long way, and it's something that Apple has uh, done a wonderful job of nurturing that brand, growing that brand, extremely powerful. I, you know, I would go, I'd go Facebook here. I think I would go Facebook. Um, and it's not. I think you're right. It's a tough decision. And probably you're a winner either way. Um, I think with Facebook, what interests me is number one, the size of it compared to Apple. Facebook's around a 200 billion dollar company versus Apple at like 550 billion. So there's there's a bit of a size difference there. I think maybe Facebook has a little bit more, you know, of an opportunity to grow over time. We know that the digital advertising space is going to, you know, continue to grow here in the, in the coming decade. And I feel like you've got this established user base. I don't think Facebook is going the way of MySpace. I mean, even if people don't use it as much, uh, it still serves a purpose as a communication. Uh, it, st- it serves its purpose of communication uh, for, for you know friends and families. And so I think that uh, for me, I, I probably you know I see a better market opportunity with Facebook in the advertising realm. So. Uh, it, add that into to Zuckerberg being so young. I mean, at 30 years old, I think he's going to be a big part of this business for for uh, the foreseeable future. And uh, you're just going to be really encouraging to see all the things they test out. You know, they they try a lot of things. I mean, they 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 try to fail quickly and, and uh, you know fail their way to success, so to speak. Right. And um, yeah, two great cultures that are in Apple and Facebook. I think uh, you can't go wrong either way. Uh, okay, let's switch gears here to food. Right, I'm getting kind of hungry just thinking about this. Uh, but we had McDonald's earnings that came out uh, over the week, and also Coca-Cola, which you know we look at these two companies, and I think it seems like the the going concern for both of these companies is that people are thinking a lot more about how they eat, what they eat, the food that they're putting in their body. Right? I mean, people are eating healthier, and we see the 
you know, the, the spread of, of your Whole Foods and organics and all that stuff and, and, you know, the decline of soda consumption. And I know that that's uh, been a very big concern uh, for many where Coca-Cola is uh, concerned especially. But, you know, when you start seeing everybody kind of on that same message, it, it helps to kind of try to turn that on its head and maybe look at it from the other perspective. And, I mean, if, if we're saying that you shouldn't be buying these stocks because of this, you know, trend towards healthier eating – is there maybe not an opportunity in there somewhere? Is there something, you know, maybe a little bit of a differentiator that says, well, hey, maybe, you know, these companies are doing something to address that and the pessimism that's baked into these stock prices is overdone? Do you feel like either one of these, do either one of these stocks today look like an opportunity to you? Coca-Cola looks like an opportunity to me. Yeah. I do agree that people are going to be eating healthier over time. And I don't think soda is, is very healthy, whether it's diet or regular. But I think people to take the leap from that to say that this is not a, um, an attractive business anymore is wrong. So the first thing when you look at Coca-Cola, you have to realize 80% of its pre-tax profits come outside from outside of the U.S. So you're really looking at a growth, growth opportunity um, in sort of emerging markets. So for instance, we, we look at domestic soda consumption. In the U.S., we're sort of stuffing our gullet with as <laughs> much uh, soda as we possibly can. The average American drinks about one Coca-Cola um, beverage a day. Um, but when you look outside the U.S. to huge markets like India, China, Indonesia, you have people who still don't drink that much of the products. So in India, the average person drinks one Coca-Cola product every month. Wow. Um, they drink one every 26 days in Indonesia. <clears throat> in China, it's one every 10 days. So you're looking at... Um, you know, India with 1.4 billion people, China with 1.3 billion, Indonesia with about 250 million. Those are huge markets that are not penetrated by Coca-Cola. There's plenty of room for those people to drink more Coca-Cola without having a bad effect on their health. Yeah, and I'll add, you know, we're sitting here drinking our <coughs> Diet Coke and Diet Dr. Pepper right now here, so we're, we're doing our, our part to help those averages out, I think. Uh, you know, I, I, I think that Coca-Cola, to me, when you look at it, that is such a such a mammoth distribution network there that it's what encourages me with coca-cola is that they are you know they're buying other properties uh to to reduce their reliance on soda right so you have like your honest tea um and, and things like vitamin that. water vitamin water uh, simply orange juice dasani water all that stuff and they can use those uh, massive distribution channels to push healthier drinks, if that's what consumers prefer. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I agree with you there on Coke. I think that is an opportunity. I, I, look, at, I look at McDonald's, and, and I, I don't necessarily see this as an opportunity. You know, I, I've talked about this before, but uh, my problem here with McDonald's is that I think they're facing a tremendous, uh, they're facing tremendous headwinds here domestically uh, with sort of the disruption of fast food, right? I think Fast casual is really going in there and just completely shaping, changing the shape of this market. And we saw the results from Chipotle earlier that basically that was almost, you could almost tell from Chipotle's results that McDonald's results were not going to be that good. Because, I mean, with, with the advent of fast casual, your Paneras and Chipotles and all these other little concepts out there, they're taking all of that market share from McDonald's. Because, I mean, McDonald's really first and foremost is a value, right? It's not, people aren't going there for the quality of the food. And so they're stuck in this position where they have to make a change. And they are, they're adding healthier items to their, to their menu, salads and whatnot. But the problem is, for as much 
as McDonald's brand has helped them over the course of the past, you know, 20, 30 years in communicating a good value, you know, a meal where you can you can eat for, you know, under under five, ten dollars. You know, now all of a sudden you, you look at that and you think, well, if people are focused more on eating better and focused on eating better food, they look at that brand of McDonald's. That that brand doesn't communicate quality. It it communicates value, and so I think that when you look at that, that that's where this brand could actually be a little bit of an anchor uh, on this company, kind of pulling them down. So I, when I look at McDonald's, I mean, it's not been a stellar year for the stock. It's it's down down to the market uh, so far this year. The one thing that's encouraging, I think, if you're a shareholder in McDonald's today, you keep those shares. Uh, I wouldn't be buying the stock today. It's somewhere in the neighborhood of 18 times earnings. I just don't see a lot of upside there, with the caveat that what they're doing here over the next uh, two to three years, they're going to be returning about 19 to 20 billion dollars uh, in, in you know, to shareholders in the form of buybacks and more dividends. So this is a very stable dividend payer. It's going to be consistent. You're going to get that dividend quarter in and quarter out, and that dividend is going to grow over time. Thankfully, this is a this is a company that has tremendous exposure internationally speaking. Seventy percent of their sales come from outside of the United States, and that is actually, you know, that that's going to continue to grow over time. So for me, you know, this is a great sort of international emerging markets play where, uh, you know, if you own those shares at McDonald's today, sure, keep them because you're going to get some dividends, you're going to get some buybacks, and and that may help, uh, you know, take that stock uh, to to possibly beat the market. But yeah, I look at it today, and I don't, it's it's not one that I'd put up at the top of my list as far as a, a you know screaming buy. Yeah, the only thing I, I I like that the only thing I would sort of disagree with is the McDonald's brand. I think you captured it domestically as representing value, but in a lot of emerging markets, it, it is actually a a more quality experience. It's a little bit more expensive than a than a domestic restaurant. You've got a little bit more uh, assurance of the supply chain and the ingredients in in some of these emerging markets. So, if I owned McDonald's, I would really be focused on. How they're growing abroad. That's a fair point. You know, I we lived in uh, Cairo, Egypt, for a few years back. Uh, you know, the early two thousands, and there's a McDonald's there, and so of course we had to go give it a shot because it was a McDonald's. You just you know, curious to see what it was like, and, and it was it was definitely a different experience. It's certainly perceived, uh, you know, a little bit differently over there. Not not the same sort of perception that we have. Uh, over here, I wonder if that doesn't shift over time. But but yeah, I think you're right. Paying attention to that international uh, opportunity and how they how they nurture that brand uh, around the world is going to be is going to be crucial to that story. Uh, okay, let's wrap this up with a couple of stocks on our radar. You know, I mean, what what we do every day is we come in here, and we look at stocks, we look for new ideas, we study the ideas we've already got out there. Earnings season, there are always some great ideas. Coming out, I mean, opportunities to maybe add to some of our favorite positions. Uh, what is a stock that you have on your radar right now? One stock that I think is very interesting is uh, CalAmp. The uh, symbol is C A M P, and this company makes machine-to-machine technology. So things like where you put a device in a truck to track it. You have it's the it's essentially the Internet of Things, which I think is a huge opportunity. The company recently reported. Uh, weak guidance going forward, and the stock has taken a bit of a beating. So I'm interested in finding out if it's if if this is a good buy point for a company with a lot of growth in the future. So what would you say with CalAmp? Um, who are who are their competitors in the space? Are there any familiar names out there? Well, so there's uh, Sierra Wireless, but okay. it's, it's really a very much an emerging. Um, trend. Yep. So there's not a lot of established players, other than you. You will have people like Cisco, 
looking to play there? Yeah, that's. I think one thing is with the Internet of Things, that is such a big uh, market opportunity that is still so new and so many things helping to shape that industry that uh, you know, definitely more than one way uh, to win on that trend. I like that, playing in that long-term trend there. Uh, so, I'm going to go with Protolabs. This is a company that uh, I've talked a little bit about here recently. I put an article out shortly ago saying that you really want this growth stock in your portfolio. And I think the one thing that really uh, it just it, it baffles me that this thing always gets lumped in with 3D printers, and it's not a 3D printer. I mean, what what Protolabs does? It's traditional injection molded in machine manufactured design. So it's it's not it's not a 3D printer like 3D systems or Stratasys or anything like that. And that I think is really important note here because what that gives you is Protolabs being the only company that's really doing what it's doing in this space. Uh, they have this growing market opportunity where I mean you look at you know the the opportunity for for the types of services that they provide is estimated at around 6 billion dollars today. And you can understand this is still a very small company making just a Few hundred million dollars a year, um, but I think that when you look at Proto Labs, their focus on the customer is really what separates them. It, it, it has facilitated the process. I mean, if you come up with a, an idea and you need to get a prototype made, you know, you can use the the, the CAD software to get that design and submit it to Proto Labs, you know, online and have them make that part for you. It, it, you know, within within a matter of a day. I mean, they, they get these things turned around so fast, uh, and and so their focus on the customer, I think, is what really it brings it brings those customers back for more. They have developed a very uh, loyal customer base, and they continue to grow that customer base over time. Uh, earnings just came out for for Proto Labs. They continue to grow their top line very nicely. Uh, you see this trend from revenue revenue from existing customers in 2010 it was 77 percent and 2012 was 84 percent that just continues to grow so I think that uh, you know sort of the, the confusion there or sort of the looking at this as a, as a 3d printing style play is what maybe opens up a little bit of an opportunity here to get a really a good a market leader there the ticker there is PRLB uh, proto labs so Jason I have to ask when you Whenever I hear manufacturing, mm-hmm. I'm worried that the company might be very cyclical. Yeah, is this is this a company that's going to be tied to the global manufacturing output levels, or are they are they sort of playing into a secular trend? It's well, to a degree, it could be it, to a degree it could be cyclical. But the thing is, because they focus more on the smaller customer, right? The individual, the small businesses. Uh, you know they're they're not working in with your big corporations that, that typically have their own sort of manufacturing processes set. Uh, you know for Proto Labs it gives a bit more uh, a bit more stability. Uh, certainly, you know if you see if you see any 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 severe down downturn in, in the in the economy it's it's going to pinch them. Uh, but it, it is it is going to be a little bit more protected because of that focus on the on the smaller customer, and uh, you know it's still a small enough company today that I think there are some very interesting growth pro- uh, prospects out there for it. So I guess that's about it for this week. Uh, thanks a lot for joining us today, Brendan. It's a lot you, of Jason. fun. Uh, I think we'll be back at it next week. Uh, so until then, thanks for listening.